This podcast addresses death, difficult emotional content, and contains profanity. Listen with your own motherfucking discretion. (laughs) (laughs) Get your kids. This is Grief After Dark. Hi, Dee. Hi, Mickey. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome. Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited today because we have a portion of the meme team here with us. Do. And y'all don't know nothing about the meme team and we're not going to tell you. So you should be a little mystery box that you get to <laughs> for the entire show. <laughs> Welcome to Grief After Dark, y'all. We have a doozy today. This person I have known probably as long as I've known D, or maybe even a little bit longer. It's probably it's 20 years plus at this point and we've been quite good friends for the better part of those decades he's a go-to he's like my person through good times and bad times I won't start singing I swear to god but Josh is I said his name on this podcast you all basically know him already we're welcoming him to the party today, A, because he's an excellent conversationalist, B, he's a wonderful person, and C, he is absolutely hilarious. So welcome, Joshua Lieberman. Thank you for being here. Thanks for coming to the party. I know, Thank right? you so much. I've been listening to this party for two and a half seasons now, and I'm kind of amazed that I'm here right now. You, you were one of our loyal original eight listeners. Yes. <laughs> and I, I understand. I just found out that your your listenership in the two and a half years has more than doubled. Yeah. Yeah. I think no. we're up to, was it 20? I think it is 20. We'll call it 20. Yeah. I don't, well, we're going to say it's 20, even if it's like 12, but whatever. It's 20. 20 sounds great. 20 is a good number. Yeah. That's <laughs> almost more than the number of people that I actually like. So. I'm kidding. See? I love my listeners. I love you guys. You know, a major a major part of comedy is truth, though. I mean, <laughs> hey, it's if, funny. If it ain't true, it ain't funny. If it ain't yeah. true, it ain't funny. It, that, that's really like... Mm. That's why this podcast is so funny. Because we just get together and talk about the fucking worst shit that can possibly happen to a person and drink and laugh about it. On that note, cheers. What's really crazy is that I, there's a couple of people who I, I have reached out to and they're like, hey, you know, <laughs> cheers, bro. Um, I have wanted them to hear the show. And they've been like, oh, you know, him and howling and pussyfooting around. And I'm like, oh, you think <laughs> it's all doom and gloom. I'm well, you're missing out. Because I think I'm funny, obviously. But I think you're very <laughs> um, funny. I think that the people we bring on have such valuable things to say and, you know, normalizing the fact that we can uh, laugh and also talk about serious things is so important to me. And so, you know, now I'm on this new crusade to like get all these people to listen (laughs) so that they can be free. That's the idea. And I think we're definitely sending this home with season three, which was our hope Mm-hmm. There are so many things in the human experience, including the real interesting topic we're going to hit on today, right. that virtually everybody I know has experienced these things on some level. 
almost everything we talk about, almost everyone that I personally know and have ever known has experienced some level of this. Nobody's fucking talking about it. And there's all this, you know, grief and shame. They're, they're like thick as thieves. Those two, Mm -hmm. they hang out a lot. I don't know that I've had one to a party without the other one showing up at some point. And so the hope is that in having all of these different people on here, having all of these people listen and be able to relate to all these things to normalize and let people know that, yeah, like you've said so many times, you can be in grief and also laugh and enjoy your life and carry on. For sure. And you're absolutely right. I mean, grief and shame are so, they're so dovetailed together in, I think, our modern human experience. But I think the reason for that is because we avoid grief so, or the expression of grief and the sharing of grief, we avoid it with everything we have. And when we don't share it, if you plant the seed of grief and you don't grow something beautiful out of it, shame is what's going to grow in its play. That's the weed that's going to take over the garden. And then good luck, because then you get anxiety, you get rage, you get fear, you get pain, you get stress, you probably get some horrible disease. And that's the that's the path that life goes. And un, well, I, I want I wanted to say, unfortunately, but it from just all of the work, you know, Mickey, that we've done together and apart and you got to share your grief. You got to own it. You got to let it out and you got to shine light on it in the world. And the hard part is the real truth is not a lot of people want to hear it. Even people that say they love you, they don't want to hear your shit. They, they want stuff to be happy and nice. That's why we've got toxic positivity and everything, everything in the world right now is so like, la, 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 la. And Mm -hmm. it's not, there's something wrong with you. And it's like, no, no, no. Like you said, this is our human experience. You're sharing our human experience here. That's why there's so much connection. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. You said so much. (laughs) You said so much. And beautifully said. Yes, absolutely. And I I think that that's the thing that people are really terrified of. They're terrified of seeing themselves in a light that isn't positive. They're terrified that other people, so again, the the connection to shame is that they're terrified of other people seeing them imperfectly. And the sheer idea of perfection, my God, like you are setting yourself up to fail if if what your version of perfect is isn't somebody what somebody else's version of perfect is. Oh, well, and we're mean, all we're all three recovering perfectionists. Absolutely, absolutely. We can all Amen. <laughs> I absolutely relate to that, and and like the more I can tell people this, the the better I feel because I'm like, listen, been there, done that. I did not get a t-shirt, Mickey. We we might need a t-shirt. <laughs> It's on the way. It's all in the mail. So, but our episode today is about estrangement and like family estrangement. And so, which I feel like a lot of the times ties into the shame that we carry forward because, you know, our family dynamics and like, you must be loyal to no end to your family and you Hmm. are not supposed to deviate from the plan. And if you do, fuck you, you know, and I, I certainly have a lot of, Ooh, I could write several books about it. 
Well, and this one was a really hard one for me. Mickey and I have been talking about me coming on the show actually for a while now. And when when we finally hit this point, the talk about estrangement, uh, we just were like, "Yes, oh my god!" And I, you know, I was I was thrilled at the opportunity. And then I gotta tell you, the week leading up to this, the feeling of dread around it, and realizing that the feeling of dread is me having to show up and me having to share this story and me having to bear my soul. And so your listeners know, I'm estranged from my mother. I have been in my lifetime estranged from both my mother and my father. I was estranged from my father when I was a child. He and I came back together in my mid-20s, had a beautiful life together, and um, unfortunately lost him to cancer about five years ago. My mother and I have been estranged in my adult life for about 14 years now. And Mickey knows the story, and Mickey and I have, have talked about it many, many, many times, she's been actually pivotal in being able to process and share this. But this is the, I mean, these are the kinds of stories you share only with your most trusted friends. You don't air this one publicly and you learn that. You learn this one really succinctly. And I'd love to hear, you know, if if you have agreement on this one, Dee and, and Mickey, you share this with the wrong person and you get read the riot act. No one wants to hear this. You know, God forbid, and as somebody who's estranged from their mother, mothers especially don't want to hear this. I've been told outright by people who barely know me what a horrible human being I am because I don't talk to my mother. And they never even ask the question as to why. Yeah, that they immediately decide that you're so fucked up because you're estranged from your mother and everything she ever fucking did for, for you and like how dare you and she's your family ain't nobody reminding her that you are her family ain't nobody reminding her that she made the decision to create you ain't nobody reminding her that that's your son you should talk there what did he do Oh, that's so rude. And oh, that's, they never really ask why, because, you know, that's your mom. That's your mom. It's like I was saying, she gave you life. Exactly. She, she gave you everything she had. And, and again, while I am somebody's mama and I have said this shit, <laughs> I have given a lot of myself for this. And in the moment, do I want them to feel bad? Absolutely not. I want them to feel appreciation. That's what I want them to feel. I don't want to feel like I'm being dismissed, even, you you know, that you could just shit in my dinner and do whatever the fuck you feel like doing just because your life is supposed to be pickles and roses. Could you say also say thank you? Could you also be appreciative? You know, I get that side of it, but I also my kids have my full permission to say to me later on in their lives that I've abandoned them at certain periods. And I could probably pretty much agree with them because I see myself very clearly. And that's a lot. That's a thing that not a lot of us get as adults from our parents. And so, you know, I am estranged from my mother. We're going on five years here and I do count the time. You know, I feel like I don't have anything else to do with that relationship other than count the time. (laughs) So, you know, and, and it was some horrible shit that she did to me. She tried to take my children. She tried to destroy my relationship with my spouse. She tried to basically end my life as I knew it, you know, with her bullshit. And so making the decision to cut her off, oh, that was a huge one. And it did not come lightly. And it came with the full force of knowing 
I'm never speaking to you again because I do not trust that you have my actual best interest in mind. I can't trust you. That's part of what's so crazy too about family estrangement. And to go back to acknowledge what you said, Josh, about like the dread of leading up to this conversation, Dee and I have spent three seasons, three years talking about some really gnarly shit. And I would say this is in the top five conversations that I was just like, oh, this one's going to fucking. And I don't know, like, I I don't know how open I would actually be to discussing it if it wasn't the three of us and our 20 loyal listeners, um, because it's not really something that I like to reflect on, but it's absolutely something that I live with. I will also say that it's interesting. We had to postpone this recording and the family that I am estranged from is a handful of half siblings that were my dad's kids from his first marriage. And we are estranged because of some really awful circumstances around my father's death. And today is my dad's birthday. Whoa. Yeah. It just, it worked out when, when everybody said the 19th worked, I looked at my calendar and was like, fuck. Yeah. So yeah. I have chills <laughs> and I already knew it was a thing. I feel like sometimes the all whispers at you and this one's way more than a whisper. This. Wow. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, it's a good one. And I feel good about that. it. Yeah. So I have been estranged from most of those siblings um, since my dad died when I was 17. And that's about 30 years ago now. So I wanted to take <laughs> And for me, that decision was difficult because I was a teenager when I had to make that call, but I knew that it was a call I had to make undoubtedly, undoubtedly. But I still like, even knowing it was the right thing for me and it was what I had to do, I would have dreams where I would fix things with them. And everything would be great and it would feel so good. And then I would wake up to the reality of it all still being shit. So the fact that you know that estranging yourself and by estranged, like I'm not saying we're not in touch. Like I've got cousins in California that I'm not in touch with. And I think they're great people and I'll be real happy the next time I see them. I'm talking about like not really interested in ever having anything to do with you ever again. Mm -hmm you're still left with this grief in the decision, knowing it's the right decision. I mean, people would be like, well, where does the grief come from? The grief comes, you know, the grief comes from never talking to them again. No, 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 no. I will tell you, I now have the experience. Like I said, I I lost my father five years ago to cancer and and he spent five years in the battle with cancer. And I I actually say the, the gift of cancer is that everything you want to say to that person, you have the opportunity to say. If anything goes unsaid between you, it's only because you didn't have the wherewithal to say it all. When the person's still alive, there's a lot left unsaid. There's so much left unsaid. And talking about what other people think, you know, they, they assume most people, if they don't, if they don't have this experience and anybody who gets mad at me at this point, I'm just like, wow, that's, that's beautiful. You have a loving relationship with your parents. How nice for you. That's great. You've never, you've never had to have this experience. Good for you. But if you ever do end up in this position, you realize, oh no, it's a, this is, this is the very definition of a two-way street. 
don't you think I tried everything in my power to mend and heal and and have some agency over this relationship and realized after 37 years of my life wasn't going to work. There was nothing left to say. There was nothing left to do. It was the only option. But Mickey, she's still out there. She's still alive. And you, you want so deeply in your, like you said, you had dreams where you fix that. That means there's a part of you that, wants that whole everybody assume from the outside they all assume that you're just you know you're just this horrible human being or just can't love people no i i want this to be whole with every fiber of my being it's not going to be and i had to come to the conclusion and you had to come to the conclusion if you ever find yourself in this place you realize it's like a drowning incident you know when they if you take a, a, a swimmer safety course, they teach you don't ever approach a drowning person because they'll drown you too. Mm. And you realize like, I got to let this person drown or they're going to drown the both of us. Oh, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And so you just end up realizing like you can't, I can't heal the relationship for both of us. So then I got to just deal with me. I got to, I got to heal my own wound. And I will tell you after 37, it's not like I didn't try and Mickey, yeah. you you met me while this relationship was still going on because we've known each other since I was in my mid twenties. So at least you've known me through at least ten years of knowing my mom, yeah, and then fifteen years of not knowing her. This only started to heal when we stopped talking because if somebody comes along, if you've got you know treat treat this take this from like psychological, emotional, and spiritual, just take it to the physical. If I had a huge gaping wound in my chest. And every time I talked to somebody, they came along and took a little knife and just opened that wound up again. My God, the scars and the infections and everything that that would lead to. You can't survive it. Can't survive it. You're going to die. Well, and that, and you're spending all that time tending to that wound. You can't even focus on anything else because you keep fucking getting cut all the time. You cannot effectively be great in your life when you keep having somebody fucking cut you. <laughs> like, and God forbid if their expectation is that you're also going to heal their wound, because that was my situation. Yes, because they've heaped this responsibility on you of like, if you were just different and if you like, they want you to remember their memories of what you've experienced and you cannot because you remember it from your perspective. You remember it from your, your trauma. You remember it from like your experience basically of what, whoever it was that hurt you. And so, you know, people don't get that they're, they're, they are not. And, and it's usually people who haven't had this experience that have so much advice for you because anybody that I've talked to who we, we have a, like, we hate our mom's club. <laughs> basically we hate the shit that we've been through with our mom's club and we hate like like we're not talking to each other in the sense of oh my god you're wrong and you need to heal from this and you need to go talk to your mom cut that bitch off and keep on moving that's what you really need to do and you really need to prepare for the grief that's going to come after that that's going to come with that that's going to be like you know what it's going to hurt because you're severing a connection you're not severing your uh work contract you are severing a connection with a human being that birthed you and that is painful. And it is those connections that we actually desire in our lives. It's those connections that we are continuously chasing that are effortless, you know? 
Because at one time, your connection with her was effortless. You didn't have to fucking work at it. And then suddenly, we're in this place where like shit ain't aligning. And this this relationship for us is not working. And yeah, you're my mom, but also, listen, I got to live. It's either you or me. There, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> nice reference. That, the truth. Yep. <laughs> when Meatloaf wrote a song, he wrote a song. <laughs> and it transfers to every single relationship, every single time. I would do anything, <laughs> but I won't do that. You need my consent for that. I'm going to propose Saint Meatloaf. <laughs> Saint. He's gone now. I think I yes. think we can we can call him Saint Meatloaf. Like Saint it. Meatloaf. Yes. D, I gotta tell you, you know, like I said, I've been I've been struggling with this for a long time, and I've put this on a lot of different levels, and I've considered it on a lot of different levels. And you know, they they say sometimes you're a little too close to the problem. Mm-hmm. That you really just woke me up to that. That there's this whole episode, are you know, just the anticipation of talking to this has brought about a real connection to generational pain. You know, I'll, I'll share with the listeners. So my mother was born a refugee. Like, if you want to, you know, put up a list of, like, reasons to understand why she, who she, why she is who she is and why she's, you know, got the, got the problems that she's got and why she wrestles with the things that... It's not like I haven't put myself in her shoes. I mean, God's sake, when I... My mother and father were divorced when I was four, so she was 30 when we were divorced and i remember turning 30 and we were she and i were still connected this is when i was still trying to make the relationship work and i thought to myself i'm 30 and i'm a mess if i had a if i was a single parent right now and i had a kid that i was responsible for i would fuck that child up for sure i would certainly mess that child up in some way there's no doubt about it but there's you know there's dealing with your shit and then there's actively hurting somebody's soul and you know, I've, I've had to, I've had to wrestle with that, but I've got to tell you, I didn't really realize D what you just talked about. The, the just, if we're just distilling it down to grief, the grief of, Oh, right. I, you know, m- my genetic makeup was, was cooked, you know, in that belly was a part of that. And, and having to turn away from that and literally walk my path, away from her and a lot of that family and a lot of that side of the family and what the generational trauma that my family has experienced through war. You know, my mother was born a refugee. Mm -hmm. So it's no doubt she's going to hurt me in some way. But to finally get to a point where, oh, no, I can't heal this for the whole generation. I got to heal. I got to heal myself. And that means I got to walk because I can't, I can't do it here. I can't constantly be harmed and hurt in my life and still be the person that I was born to be for this world. That's right. And having to make that choice might've been one of the hardest choices ever. And now I got to live with that choice every day, every time I think about it. Mickey, you're talking about the dreams you had every day this week. I've had dreams about my mother, my grandmother, my family. I didn't even, until D, you said what you just said, I didn't even realize like, oh my God, the pain of having to say, I love you, I respect you, and I can't be around you anymore. 
if I'm going to live this life mm-hmm. and the grief that that creates. Yes. Didn't even realize it. You just hit me with a lightning bolt. <laughs> That's what I do. Apparently she does. <laughs> it's why we're here. She, it's her special gift. My experience was very different in that it was, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a long time trauma situation. I wouldn't say, I would say most of my siblings, I didn't have a great relationship. There's a huge age gap. There's like a lot of really complicating factors in this whole thing. But for me, like one fucking thing happened that was just not something that I was ever going to be able to be okay with. And I, I sort of, I have one sibling that our relationship kind of trickled into my adulthood. And the last conversation I had with her was uh, almost seven years ago. And she was just like, you know, I, I feel sometimes like I'll never be able to forgive them, but they're my brothers. And I said, see, that's where we're different because I have completely forgiven them, but no brother of mine would do this to anybody, let alone a sibling. Mm. And in my best moments, so I was listening, you know, a podcast with my dear, dear friend who doesn't know I exist, Brene Brown. I was listening to her today talk again about, and she speaks a lot to the, that whole thing of like, in our best moments, we can have compassion for even people fucking up because they're, we can believe they're doing the best they can with what they have. And I look back on my siblings' decisions around me and the death of my father when it happened. And I understand, and it's really, honestly, it's really kind of okay. But I also now have come to the place where I know that I am also doing the best I can with what I have in not having a relationship with them. That's the best that I can do. And while I still to this point, fucking day 30 years later have family members that's like why don't you get in touch and then I have to remind them why I don't talk to them in the first place it's always it's that fucking it's that cut it's that cut and it it'll feel healed and I'll think it's fine until somebody says that and I'm just like oh now it's open again I start over <laughs> but, well but you know how I feel about that if y'all ain't knocking down my door I'm sorry why are you expecting me to knock down your door if you are not checking in on me, why do you expect me to check in on you? You have decided that, you know, I I, I have a lot of people that I'm estranged from, Josh. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I could just, the list goes on and on. Um, and the more recent folks are my in-laws. And it's like, you know what? Listen, y'all ain't worried about what the fuck I'm doing. So please don't expect me to show up to any of the shit that y'all are doing. Please don't expect that of me. And here's the thing. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm conserving my energy. I'm using my energy for the shit I want to be doing the same as you all are doing. Like y'all are using your energy to do what you want to do. And it does not include me. The thing is, is y'all don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that because that makes you look like you was acting some kind of way, which you were. You act like I am an inconvenience. What do you expect? Now you have my consent to pretend like I don't exist. Please move on with your life and enjoy it. That's what I want you to do. I want you to keep on doing what you've been doing. And now they can't. (laughs) I mean, don't, don't miss me with this bullshit. 
Mike, now is a scramble. Listen, I have had the most excellent teachers of what shame looks like, of what abandonment looks like, of what disinterest looks like. And what I'm seeing right now is the very picture that has been described for me my whole life growing up. Please don't try to convince me that I'm not seeing what I'm seeing or that I'm not mm. feeling what I'm feeling because that's a waste of your time and your energy. And I want you to live your best life. Go over there and do that. Well, and isn't that interesting, right? Is, is you know, people want the best for themselves and they're going to tell you they want the best for you. Meanwhile, they want you to keep showing up playing their game. Absolutely. And nobody's breaking down your door to make sure that you're okay. Mm. And isn't it interesting that when you, you know, you, you talked a lot about being able to express your needs and being able to express boundaries and that that's healthy and that that's normal. And I mean, Mickey has said this to me over and over again. If someone's truly your friend and someone truly loves you, then if you express your needs, aren't they going to fall all over themselves to, to, to give you it? those needs? Because that's what people who love you do. Listen. If you, if you have to show up for their dog and pony show in order for them to feel complete, that isn't love. They're not loving you. That part. You know, you are serving a need to them. You better say and- it. There's <laughs> a lot of gaslighting there. Listen. <laughs> I will say Meanwhile, this, they're though. telling you how much they love you. Oh Meanwhile, God. take it. Take your love somewhere else. Thank you, please. That's not the kind of love I was looking for. Thank you so much. But mainly, no thank you. <laughs> no thank you, please. In anticipation of this conversation, I was thinking earlier today, Tim and I had a friend that has been referring to us as their Durango family for almost the full 10 years that we've lived here. And we made a life decision recently that they don't like. And so they have cut off their relationship. And one of the first things that Tim said was, I'm like a brother to you. Like, this is how you would treat your brother. Brother. And, you know, we've both looked at each other and been like, that is not how I define family. And so if there is one thing that I learned from estranging myself from family very early on is, is the freedom of creating my own family. Uh, I also have another friend, dude, (laughs) both of you know this person. I have a friend and just old, old, I don't even know if I would call them a friend. I have an acquaintance that I knew a long, long time ago. And they called me recently and we talked, no, he talked for almost two full hours and I helped him with some problems. And I don't think he even asked how I was like, we got off that phone call and he didn't know anything more about me than, but he refers to me as his like honorary big sister. And I'm like, I don't want that role. Thank you. We have different ideas of what family is. So on that note, I guess thank you both for being on, for being real family and also <laughs> chosen family and constantly reminding me what family looks like. I don't know if I could make a life decision that either of you would not at least consider <laughs> sticking around for. It has to be a pretty gnarly one, right? Yeah. You, either one of you would be like, I'll bring the shovel. And then the other one would be like, I'll, I've got a tarp. I got some fire. What you mean? <laughs> you have no idea how much evidence you can get rid of with just a big bucket of lie. I mean, Josh, see? Family. 
Yeah, I got you. Family. <laughs> Folks don't be knowing how to be in a family. That's appealing. That's actually appealing to my Italian roots, like real hard right there. That's oh my God. Um, I wanted to share this with you because, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's It shows you how ingrained abuse is in our society, right? Um, and it is. For anybody who's like, what are you talking about? No, it's not. Oh, sure it is. You tell somebody that you're you're estranged from a parent or from a sibling, you know, and, and they're going to read you the riot act. And, and I've looked at people and I'm like, you know, uh, if you had a girlfriend whose husband was physically abusing her and beating her, she was showing up with black eyes and a broken nose. Would you be like, yeah, but, you know, that's your husband. Some people do, though. No, you'd I be mean, telling him, get... Really? Because, wow, I can't even Because again, that. though, Josh, this is this is what you're speaking to is you're saying that they're okay with the abuse. Why didn't she just leave? Why didn't she fight back? All of those things put the responsibility on the person, the victim. Nobody ever asked, well, why didn't your mama stop gaslighting you like that? Why didn't she actually, you know, take time to learn who you are as an adult why didn't she spend more time with you in your home nobody asks those questions they all say what'd you do that's your mom why would you have you know well and the phrase i was going to bring up was blood is thicker than water Mm. listen they love to say it but when it comes down to it it's like the most care that I've received in in my experience have been strangers. Strangers who were not connected to the shit that's happening to me. Strangers who have the space to say, hey, you know what? That looks hard. Can I help? What can I do? How can I be of service to you? Not how can you change to make me feel better about what <laughs> you're going through. They haven't said that you need to get over this very quickly so that I can feel better about what you've been through. And that's the grief game again. That's the grief game again. That's the Olympics. Like, it's, it's <laughs> like, shit, man. Y'all be going hard on this shit. It's like, we love to blame the people that the shit is happening to. We love to say, why was she wearing that? Motherfucker, can you just not be a rapist? How about that? Well, and we we love the victim blame in our society. We love it right now. We love blame. We love to say the other person is so negative. Oh, you're just so negative. Bitch, I've been through fucking hell. What do you mean I'm negative? Because I said I feel like I'm going to be dead. Oh, Lord. Blessed are the are the ones who ain't been through a damn thing in their life. Right. Who ain't had to carry their dead daughter's body. Bless you. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> what part of I should be okay with this? I like, should get over this? I should get over this? This shouldn't be hurting me? Mm. Even though, like, I could, listen, it don't matter what you do. You can make a whole fucking Taj Mahal and somebody will say, oh, they were so obsessed. You just better hope somebody love your ass that much. How about that? Well, and I got to tell you, as being one of the original eight listeners of your show and <laughs> listening close and paying attention, I've told, I've told Mickey and Dia, I've been dying to tell you, in the last two years since you've been doing this, the ability... To have somebody that I love tell me that they're in pain and not try to show up with a solution and just sit there quietly and ask them and, and say to them, wow, that sucks. 
why don't you tell me more about your pain? Can mm-hmm. I, can I sit here and is there any part of it I can carry for you? Mm-hmm. Can I, can I just be here and love you? How does that make you feel? Mm. Probably one of the most important questions we could possibly ask some. Do you know, do you know, I would probably break down bawling if I said to somebody that I haven't spoken to my mother in 14 years and their response to that was, wow, how does that make you feel? Oh my gosh. Yep. (laughs) Listen, I would lose my shit. Listen. I'm about to cry right now. I, me too. <laughs> well, and recently, you know, it's been a it's been a bit of a whirlwind over here for, well, you know, 47 years, but the last couple months <laughs> have been, you know, a little little extra much. And a friend of mine, I like, I hadn't really been engaging with a lot of people. Everything as just in my mode where people are texting me like, "Hey, are you okay? I haven't heard from you in like three weeks." And my friend Jen happened to get in touch with me, and she had some crazy very, very, very difficult thing going on that I wanted to talk to her about. And she tells me this whole thing and she goes, anyway, how are you? Like with all of these things going on. And I burst into tears. I was like, oh, well, not that great, I guess. Cause apparently a dear friend can't even ask me how I'm doing and acknowledge though, it wasn't just asking me how I was. It was acknowledging that she knew I had a lot going on. And are you okay in that? It's invaluable, invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if people take nothing else from that, it's like, if you can just extend your radius just a little bit, just for one person, shit, it don't have to be for your whole entire community. You don't have to run yourself to the ground or nothing like that. But if you say you care about somebody and, and you love them, and even if they're not doing things that you're actually into, but like, maybe I'm just going to listen to their podcast. Maybe I'm just going to check out what their art's about it. And then I'm going to mention it to them the next time that I talk to them and say, Hey, you know what? I saw you. And I know that I didn't reach out right away, but I saw you and I want you to know that you're doing great. And I really appreciate what you have created. I appreciate that you are still alive or whatever the case may be. Tell people what they fucking mean to you, whether it's your friend, your cousin, your homegirl down the street. You don't know whose life you're saving by doing this. I'm telling you, after the last three years and who knows, maybe even 10 years that we've had, at least in this country, caring about people. Even caring about the people you care about is a superpower at this point. I apparently, truly believe it. Like apparently so, because be, just being able to sit sit with somebody who just isn't having a great day is it's turning out to be a superpower. Mm-hmm. Then I know some fucking superheroes. I know some superheroes. Hey. I have for real. Cheers to that. I'm. I'm sitting here with two of them. Yeah, me too. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> exactly. The, the handful of people that I am close to now are fucking rock stars at being friends. Like the yeah. people I know care very, very deeply for, for themselves and one another. And that is also invaluable. And it helps me. It actually helps me in light of family estrangement because it helps me feel like I cleared space for that because I did not settle for toxicity because of shame and guilt and bloodline. I made room for 
the family I have now. And it's, it's everything. Isn't it funny that the people who probably are out there shaming, you know, we've, we've all, all three of us have talked about somebody who's thrown it back in our face. Isn't it funny? They're the ones that probably are living with the most shame. They're the ones that are probably not dealing with their, because honest to God, I, I don't know. I don't know a family out there and God bless. If there's a family out there that just loves each other and supports each other and shows up for each other, <laughs> fuck, I want to know you. I want to know you. Like, well, like, I'll, I'll give you my Instagram or something. Like, I want to know who they are, but I, I don't trust I think, it. I think <laughs> family's kind of a proving ground, you know? It's like you're forced together with some people that maybe, uh, you know, and you pick pick your poison of how you how you ignore that pain and move mm-hmm. on with your life. But anybody who looks at me and can't can't actually sit with the small like this isn't you. It's me. It's my problem. It's my thing. It's my cross to bear. You know, it's my it's my thing. You know, I'm I'm dragging that cross through my life. Why I didn't ask you to carry it for me, and you're going to show up and put some more weight on me and shit. Oh, you've got. You're the one that hasn't dealt with your shit, <laughs> right? Oh, I get usually, it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those people who be rolling up with so much to say, be loud and wrong. It's because the, it's a projection of what they're they've been carrying, and and like you, you know, a lot of because again, I don't have these conversations with the same type of conversations with the people who are go- actually going through and experiencing and and are acknowledging and noticing. I have more of those conversations with people who are like, "Ooh, they up in the thieves, and they felt some kind of way, and they decided they was gonna tell me about it." Listen, I see you. <laughs> Go on and deal with your shit over there because you're not going to put that on my plate for me to clean up for you. I'm not eating that today. Right. No, thank you. I have enough things on my plate that I need to tend to. In mm-hmm. fact, I'm trying to get some of that shit off my list as well. And, you know, I don't want us to leave here without acknowledging, um, you know, a masculine perspective on these things and being able to uh, sit comfortably in those things and say to the world, this is how this actually makes me feel. This is how I feel because of this shit that's happened, which is completely fucking appropriate response. It's not like, oh, you're so weak because you said, you know, this has made me feel some kind of way. Like we have been very diligent about supporting, you know, the male expression of grief and like, a lot of folks love to say, men love to say, women don't listen. <laughs> we're not, oh, we're listening. We are listening. And that other stuff is a projection of shame. That other stuff is a projection of like, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to hold this. We can hold a lot of things and we've been holding space for all of these things. It's, you can't put down the shame of whatever those things are causing. Like whatever is being, whatever you're dealing with, you can't put the shame down and be in your masculine and say, this actually hurts me. And this is how I'm dealing with it. And so we appreciate you for coming. We appreciate you for saying all the beautiful things that you have said in your full expression of who you are as a person. Like, you know, that I think is the most valuable thing that I've gotten out of this conversation. So thank you and cheers. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. I, I got to tell you, as, as a man in the world, you don't you don't hear that often. The average person doesn't want to hear that what men carry. And actually, Nikki, you're 
dear friend. And you might say that she doesn't know who you are, but I'm Yet. fully convinced that there's some part of her out there that she she feels the pull. She knows there's friendship out there in your heart. I her. hope so. Yeah. I also but hope to meet I, her one she, day and be like, so I'm sorry. And also you're welcome. I've been plugging you for free on this podcast with 20 listeners for like three years and I love you, but not in a creepy way. <laughs> <laughs> friends can be strangers. It turns out. And some friends should be strangers. <laughs> yeah. She talks about what, you know, what men carry. And I, I'm, I see some amazing men in this world who carry more than their fair share and continue to do it and do it selflessly and do it, you know, thanklessly. And it's, it's not very often. And that's, you know, I, I don't want to make a big deal out of it because we're all carrying a bag of shit. All of us. We're all carrying a bag of shit somewhere where we choose to store it, how we choose to deal with it, you know, how we choose to tidy it up so other people don't have to smell it. We're all carrying a bag of shit. Yeah. All of us. But when somebody hears that a son isn't talking to his mother, oh man, that's shit. I wasn't going to share this. Um, so my mother fancies herself a poet, uh, and has for a long time and her poetry is out there, uh, on the internet. And so when you cut off from somebody, you free them up and you leave them to feel however they want to feel about you. And now you get to feel however you want to feel about them. Right. And I, what we're discussing is where other people put their judgment about how you feel about them and how they're supposed to feel about you. I know exactly how my mom feels about this, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So my mother has written poetry about this very experience, about her cherished, loved, very wanted child. My mother sees herself as a perfect mother. And she has written poetry about me no longer speaking to her with titles like Mask of Lies. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Goodness. Oh, no. It's, yeah. So, so subtle then. Not really, no. She's not known for her subtlety, no. Girl. But it's like having, you know, and I really mean this, like, I'm, I really mean this. This experience for her is heartbreaking. And I've got to recognize that. Like, she doesn't understand this. In her perspective, she was the ideal mother. And the rage and the tearing down of, of her son, she doesn't see any of it. She doesn't know it exists. So this to her is mind-blowing that she could dedicate herself to, a, to an only son and someone that she sees that she wanted, she loved, she did everything for. She doesn't see any of the reasons why this exists and she just she has to experience that grief Listen. and there was no healing that without losing every ounce of myself listen these are the natural consequences now i hear exactly what you're saying because you were like she don't see this she don't see herself at all what she sees is a projection of like the what she has given to you, unfettered and oh my god, and selfless and martyr dumb. 
And how she could never. Bitch, you did. We're going to get to that. <laughs> My mother sent me a message. I just, I love, want you to know that I love you so much. And I hope that you and your family are doing well. And I'm here for you whenever you need me. And let me tell you the motherfucking rage that rose up in my spirit. Now, bitch, if you don't get the girl, well, get off my phone. What did you respond, though? <laughs> do you remember? Because I do. I do. I sure do. Who is this? That's what I said. And let me tell you, I'm a petty motherfucker. Okay. Because <laughs> let me, let me, let me, let me take y'all back to when we were great friends, me and my mother. And we used to have inside jokes all the time about bullshit. And like, you know, dudes who would call me, I'd be like, who is this? <laughs> I don't know who this is. Bye. Knowing damn well I knew who it was. And so she was like, you're so mean. And I'm like, oh, girl, I know. I, but, you know, who, who? I'm sorry, who? Who was this that called me? <laughs> I'm afraid she's not available. I would be my own secretary. And so we, me and my mom had this running joke about who is this? So every time we didn't want to be bothered, we would say, who is this on the phone? It's code for get the fuck off my phone <laughs> between me and my mother. So she sends me this text and, and I'm going to tell you right now, I had this lengthy PhD level dissertation ready to send back. And for some reason, the ancestors laid their heads on me. And the message got deleted. Like I couldn't send it because it was filled up with petty nonsense. And it was filled up with I'm going to fucking drag you for 42 motherfucking years of trauma you have laid upon my shoulders. Bitch, I want you to suffer. And that message got deleted. And and we want to be we want to be heard. <laughs> you wanna just want to be heard. Yes. Like it's not hard. I it's just want to be heard. And you finally realize you aren't going to see me, not the real me. You're never going to hear the real me. You just want to hear and see who you want to hear and see. That part. You want me to remember your memories and I can't do that. And so (laughs) she said, she sent me this message and my message got deleted back. And I was like, fuck, I'm not writing that again. And then I was just like, who is this? Because I had deleted her from my phone, actually. And it didn't come up with her name, but I knew it was her. (laughs) I knew it was her. And I waited for a long time to send send the who is this message, like hours. Because I'm like, then that petty part of me had to calm down. And she replied, oh, it's Lucretia. And I said, oh, okay. Well, you go ahead and delete this number. Thank you so much. Please do. Please do. Delete this number. Whoa. Today. That is, that's turning the electric fence back on. That is drawing a clear boundary. Because I can't, I can't go back there. I had a lot to say. And sometimes this is the thing, y'all. You're going to have to realize that even though you have a lot to say, it's not going to be received. That's right. And I think my ancestors knew that. And they let me get it out. It was really beautiful. I, I was proud of myself <laughs> for the level of ass whooping that I had put down. <laughs> Without like 
no hesitation. I was like, this is in my spirit. I need to say this to her. But then after a while, I was like, you know what? I don't need to say this to her because the engagement is what she wants. That's right. She wants me to respond that way because that's how I would have responded before. Well, it's mm-hmm. just, you're being baited. I would have come back with, let me tell you about yourself and what you did. She ain't going to listen to it. The point is, I've got you back here to engage with you. I've got you back here to drag you along. I've got you back here to tell you all the wonderful things. I Oh, I love you and all this and that. Bitch, you, oh. can, you can love me until you go to your motherfucking grave. That's the one call I do want. Call me when you is dead. That's what I want you to do. And that is my final answer. If you do anything before that, we're going to have a problem. I asked you to leave me alone. That's what I want. And if you can't do that, then you are in violation of everything else. You are in violation because I've asked you to leave me alone. You do not have my consent to talk to me ever again. You don't have my consent to talk to the children. They are underage. And when they are of age, baby, ooh, may the odds be ever in your favor because I'm their mom. And I have made it very clear they cannot trust her. And here's why. And you're going to prove me right because that's who you are. So you can try that shit if you want to. Get out of my face. Ain't no more playing around. And nobody else has any right to come in my life and decide that you, oh, you're just overreacting. Fuck you too. Go on, sit over there. We don't talk to people that have to, you, you take enough for somebody you don't even know. Get out of my face. And get out of my, you take your toxic ass over there and get sit over there too with her. Get to know her. Let me give you her number so that y'all can be friends. Get the fuck out of here. Well, isn't that the shit, right? When somebody packages control in a nice, pretty package of love. Gas lighting. Oh, yeah. That is some shit right there. Well, and you know, again, everybody's got their bag of shit. Everybody draws their line in different places. I feel fortunate that at this, you know, middle age that I have reached (laughs) with the lovely folks that do truly love me and have taught me what love is and allowed me to be open and allowed me to be vulnerable and honest and myself and still loved me after I swam through my pool of shit. I don't need anything else. I don't need nothing I don't else. Need it. I can see it a mile Amen. away now because I have I have the counterparts. I have the contrast. I have the opposite mm-hmm. of it. When you know mm-hmm. what love and family looks like, the other side is not anything you're gonna suffer. And then that's why they be yep. fees because you how dare you? That's how my- dare you turn well, away from this? It. Well, because I have an active exam active examples of what love is not dormant examples i'm not wishing hoping and dream mm. these people show up and if you ain't doing that i don't want it <laughs> so that's your problem you go deal with that if you can't come over here and do that why are we wasting our time beloved time is short and we can't get none of it back i want active love i don't want passive love i want active love we give what we need y'all need active love so that is what you give and that is what you should be getting in return, period. Fuck all these other folks. 
who don't know how to be friends, who don't know how to be lovers, who don't know how to be husbands, wives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Fuck y'all. Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> D, I'll tell you, like, if there's a through message of D of the last <laughs> two and a half seasons, it's know your worth. That's that part. Know what you're bringing to the table and know that it has value and know that what you've, like, you, you all teach me my worth. And because when you grow, I'm serious, when you grow up with a parent like that, they are going to, they're going to destroy, they're going to chip away. If it's a tiny, they're going to just chip away one chip at a time, one chip at a time, or they're going to come in with a sledgehammer and they're going to break that wall down. Your self-worth is going to be destroyed because if you have self-worth, you can't protect yourself from something like that. And then you are their slave. Absolutely. And when you've got these amazing people in your life who show up and look at you and are like, no, you're in my life because you're amazing too. You learn, oh, this love is worth something. Mm. This love I've got, this love, this compassion, what I've got, this has value. And I'm cast, I'm casting pearls before swine. Like I'm just giving this and giving this. I'm pouring all this love. I'm pouring all of this into a black hole, into a never-ending pit that's never gonna be satisfied. Or I can take this. And I can give it to these amazing people in my life. And hey, here's something. When I'm not giving it all away, I can even give a little bit to myself. Mm. That part. I just want to play gospel music behind that whole <laughs> Listen, thing. Just <laughs> <laughs> we better start it up. Listen. Okay. Anyway, this is bringing us to our not so rapid rapid fire question segment. Mm. <laughs> I forgot about this completely. So uh, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I, oh, I picked some totally irrelevant, like fun questions. Okay. If you were a pair of shoes, what kind would you be? The shoes that I'm wearing right now during this interview, those sheepskin big with the big fluffy oh. with the big fluffy uh things around the edges <laughs> yes. that are all filled with yeah, with all that are all filled with sheepskin that mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'd like to say that, you know, I'd like to say shoes with a lot of support and no, just fluffy, feel good. You want to wear them around like you wear them till they're freaking all worn out and threadbare and you still love them anyway. Yes. I do actually think those are very you. Uh, so <laughs> comfortable, little bit of a heel, nothing crazy, sexy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can wear them every day. I actually have, I kind of have these boots now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yes. They're like casual. You could dress them up or down. A little bit of a heel because I'm short as fuck and I need a little bit of height. So yeah, a li- little bit bigger than it seems as I am. <laughs> I keep trying to tell people I'm bigger than I look. <laughs> oh, Mickey, you're, you're, Mickey, you're eight feet tall on the inside. Massive. Seriously, like a giant. Um, I would be probably like a custom fit pair of shoes. Like it, it would just be the shoe that is for your foot. Leather with really soft on the inside. Support. I was thinking Italian leather. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Something definitely. If, if I can be so bold, D, I would say you are you are the boot that is broken off in other people's ass. <laughs> Listen, 
Somebody just, <laughs> somebody just called me mean the other day, and I was like, "Oh, you got some fees. Go ahead and call your therapist." Oh, no. <laughs> um, after you survived the apocalypse, what would your job be? I'm either gonna grow food for people, or I'm gonna make wine. Maybe both. Honestly, if if we have a full blown apocalypse, we all like whoever's left, we need to drink together. <laughs> So this is we got to share a meal and we all got to get drunk together (laughs) and we'll start, we'll start it all tomorrow. We'll start it all back up tomorrow. My knee jerk response was gardener, right? I'd grow the food and then my brain went, Ooh, and then I can ferment stuff too. So (laughs) apparently Josh and I are starting the post-apocalyptic commune. You are welcome. Just don't be a dick. I mean, I'd probably pretty much be doing the same thing I'm doing now. <laughs> Wrangling folks to tell you what, what you've been through. Mm, oh, how can we help each other? <laughs> I see the town facilitator. Honest to God, if you want to lead the way, you've got my vote. Yay. This commune's going to be so awesome. It's so awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. Would you rather be a hobbit or an elf for 24 hours? Look, uh, you know, I think everybody sort of wants to see themselves as an elf, but I got to be honest. Um, I'm a hedonist. I know I'm going to be a hobbit. I want that that whole scene where he's like, oh, you're in my house. Let me make you some tea, some cheese. And, oh, I'm going to sit here and smoke some stuff and drink some stuff. I'm, I am. Yeah. I'm just a hobbit that grew a little. And I'm not that. T- I'm tiny. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a really big guy. So, yeah, the hobbit. That's a hobbit. Same. Elves work really hard. They just work too hard. Yeah. Always very busy. It's not yeah. really in my nature. I would probably just sit there and stare. I'd put my feet up. I'd get some beer, a big old stein of beer, as they do, and and put my big old hairy feet up and just look at them and admire them. You know what's funny though? I think I'm going to have to choose to be an elf because because they can drink a lot mm-hmm. and not be affected. And I think. <laughs> that that's in alignment with who I am right now. Yeah. <laughs> Those arrows you shoot right right in the heart. Right <laughs> in the heart. There you go. You got aim. You got you got aim, woman. <laughs> you got serious aim. That's uh, <laughs> true story. True story. Oh my god, thank you so much for being here. This has been a pleasure. And you're definitely going to have to come back and visit and we'll choose a happier topic, maybe. Doesn't seem like we need to. I think, I think we're good. <laughs> I think this is, this is what family's all about. Like true, we, we dig in, we get real when, you know, when we need to. Cheers. Thank you for having me here. Oh, I'm so pleased and so thankful that so many men and even peers were willing to come on here and and be real and show emotion and show everybody that there is grief and and yeah i appreciate you so much for so many reasons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh wow same here and yeah you know we're, we're when when you say the word love we've got this romantic notion right mm-hmm. but love yeah. is a spectrum right love's the whole it's the whole spectrum it's from white to black and every gray in between. And I don't know, there's so much love here. And mm-hmm. you both have shown me so much love and I'm so grateful for it. Mm. Cheers.
Cheers. Love you both. Good game. Cheers. Good game.